Hi, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks. I'm your host, Sadie, and I'm joined by Andrew Ellis, a Director and Special Advisor to the Board at Incas, an armored car manufacturer, here to talk to you today about their 2021 outlook, their pandemic response, and how the EV market has affected armored car manufacturing. Uh, without uh, further ado, here we go. So, uh, Andrew, uh, I'm curious uh, how large is the armored car market in North America and uh, sort of what does it look like in terms of uh, dollars, I guess? Well, I, I you know, the, the dollars, I'm, I, I'm not really in a position to get into. The, the market is, I mean, to say Canada, to say North America, I think is kind of limiting it a little bit because armored vehicles, whether they be armored limousines for, uh, you know, the presidents of the United States type people, uh, VIPs and that sort of uh, high net worth people are, are one end of the market. And the other end of the market, uh, something that Incas doesn't do is sort of the, the offensive military grade, full on armored, uh, armored vehicles that you see that you see elsewhere. Uh, internationally, the market is very, very large. Whenever there's, there's instability in the world, you're going to have a market for security. Uh, as long as there's unpredictability, you're going to have a market for security. As long as there's war, uh, you're going to have a market for, you know, for stability and safety. So, you know, whether it be Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, uh, a lot of places in, in Africa, Latin America, but also in the United States as well, in Canada as well. So, you know, it, 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 is, a, it is a growing industry. It is a, it is a growing market. Uh, and I would say that that Incas produces a, a very unique, high-end quality product uh, that has, and we have we have clients all over the world, uh, from you know as I said, Asia, Europe, Africa, Latin America, South America, and and North America as well. So it's uh, we have more, we have clients and and a, a worldwide interest a worldwide market, and it's something that. Uh, the Canadians do well. One of the one of the really interesting thing is we've been able to to take some advantage of uh, you know years and years of of investment in terms of investment in training and expertise in the automotive industry in the very skilled automotive industry, and we're able to take that and to uh, to translate that into a uh, into a very productive armored uh, uh, vehicle capability because you can't you can't armor a vehicle unless you understand the you know, the, the infrastructure of the vehicle and, and how the vehicle functions. Okay, that uh, makes makes a lot of sense. That was actually one of the questions I had where I was curious if um, uh, Ontario's sort of, uh, you know, presence in the automotive manufacturing industry uh, sort of helped or how it sort of related to Incas's manufacturing in the GTA as well. I'm assuming that they're they're linked. Yeah, I mean, it, there there's always a, an opportunity to... to highly skilled workers are highly valuable, you know, and highly sought after. And, and we're blessed to have some very highly skilled workers that were trained in Ontario, but also trained in, in, you know, the uh, uh, United Nations of countries of the world. This is Toronto. We're a, we're a, we're a country of, or a city of immigrants. We're a city, we're a country of immigrants. We all are. And we, people bring with them their extraordinary skills and education and exposure and backgrounds. And I not only gives us diversity and opportunity, but it gives us, you know, expertise in areas that, uh, you know, if you were sort of a, a monolithic kind of country, you might not be able to have that opportunity. It gives you, it gives you access and openings to all sorts of different markets. 
markets and capabilities around the world. For sure. Ex yeah, excellent. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess uh, moving on, I'm curious how the pandemic sort of affected uh, armored car sales and armored vehicle sales. I know you mentioned earlier that anytime there's instability and security, um, there's going to be a market for uh, you know armored vehicles. The pandemic impacted uh, Incas, in impacted the armored vehicle industry, uh, both in Canada, the United States, and worldwide. Uh, it you know impacted every industry. Uh, we're lucky enough that it impacted us probably probably less, but that had a lot to do with building very successful relationships with our client base uh, in this country and around the world. And you know that when you have a trusted product, that's where people lean in crisis as well. Um, I think that the company um, very quickly uh, was able to um, adapt. So. Uh, almost immediately, even before the international pandemic was was issued a year ago today, uh, Incas had already delivered, you know, hundreds of thousands of masks to its facility and to its employees, masks, gloves, PPE. They were already prepared. Uh, so, you know, what I would say to other industries is planning is as, you know, planning and logistics are as, as, part, as important as, you know, as Patton would say in war fighting. Uh, you know, you're not going to win a war if you don't have fuel for your tanks. We're not going to we're not going to be able to produce vehicles if all of our employees are sick. And thank God, uh, we were able to sustain ourselves through this crisis. Uh, you know, there were a, a, a person here and a person there who who contracted the illness, but elsewhere, and uh, and we were able to isolate properly, and everybody's healthy. And uh, and thank goodness for that. I think as well, there's a trust within the organization, and and I say this as, as you know, a quasi outsider uh, that works within the company. This is a family-run corporation, and the family family has very trusted personal relationships with staff, and so there's a lot more of a of a, a human touch. I think, you know, all the way down to the factory floor, that the you know the the person working on a vehicle knows the CEO. Uh, knows the chair chairperson uh, knows everything about how the organization is run and is the communications are very efficient and effective. It's not you know, it's not an intranet or a, a piece of paper on a bulletin board. It's it was human interaction. And since I've arrived at the firm, I've been very impressed with, you know, that kind of outlay of energy and effort. Uh, when you know, in, in a modern corporations, you see that less and less, especially as the world consolidates and has much, much larger companies. It's harder to do that. You know, the family that runs this this company does so with an open heart and any and a human hand. And I think that had a lot of of value. And I think because the employees were less concerned about their well being because they knew that they could trust their management to take care of them. And you know, trust their management. You know, again, when you get PPE delivered before uh, anybody else was doing it, people look at that and say, you know, management actually cares about us, and management's it's actually thinking ahead. Now that's a that has the advantage of well, of what we're seeing now is a year later, uh, the company was able to to succeed despite uh, what has been a horrific uh, experience for all of us. Yeah. Uh, so going back to uh, the pandemic sales, is it fair to say then from your uh, description that uh, things dipped slightly, but uh, not as bad as they could have been because of um, the ownership group, the trust, um, the market, and, yeah, the, the, the customer base. Yes, it did dip for sure. Yeah. 
uh, I, you know, in my interactions with, with other people in the industry, whether it be defense industry or, or just manufacturing at large, and even technology and a whole bunch of things, there are very, very few businesses that, you know, that went on an uptick, except maybe Pfizer, uh, who've done extremely well out of the, you know, out of this sort of thing. I, I say that jokingly, but the, yeah. the, you know, there's been very few, few businesses and, and the government has done all they can uh, to, to sustain businesses through this, through this yeah. horrible time. But, uh, that wasn't necessary with, uh, with, uh, with our company, uh, because, uh, we were able to sustain that, that client base. What, um, what is important is to be able to do it moving forward as we start to come out of, of the pandemic and people get more and, you know, Canada is behind in terms of the vaccination process. And is that going to put us at an uncompetitive position internationally? And that's the pool that we're swimming in. It's, you know, it's the domestic pool is very, is very small uh, in terms of, of clients and customers. Uh, so, you know, we need to be able to, uh, to come out of this relatively quickly and relatively securely. And, uh, you know, that remains a concern for us. Absolutely. May, uh, makes sense. Um, recently, there's also been news of uh, electric vehicles uh, sort of growing and exploding this year. I'm wondering if that sort of affected uh, Incus's business or how that's affected your market. Do you guys work with electric vehicles? That's a really, really good question. And the answer is yes. And uh, I've been very impressed with with uh, all the you know the work that's been done. You know, with electric vehicles and with with you know, protected electric vehicles, you need to be able to protect the engine. You need to be able to protect the battery supply and the electrical supply and everything else. But that's no different than protecting a gas tank. Uh, you know, you, you need to be able to protect the infrastructure and to be able to have enough power. You know, these vehicles aren't light. I don't know if you've been in, in you know, some of the larger armored vehicles, but they can be, you know, as soon as you start to swing the door open, you realize just how, how you know, immensely heavy it is. The vehicle itself is heavy. The, the roof is armored, the flooring is armored, the sides are armored, the windows are armored. There's a lot of weight to it. So, you know, you need to be able to build electric vehicles that can, that can carry that kind of weight. And, you know, that's, a, uh, that's research and development that's being undertaken across the automotive industry uh, from cars all the way to, you know, uh, really large uh, trucks. I'm wondering if Incus is involved in any of that with uh, automotive manufacturers. Do you guys give them feedback? Is there emails going back we, and forth? We, we, we continually uh, cooperate with uh, like-minded organizations uh, because, you know, yeah, you're always going to want to have your own independent and individual research and development. But, you know, the best research and development is, is done, you know, as a group, as, yeah. a, as a community, as it were. And, uh, you know, in some cases, you know, we're not necessarily competing against, uh, you know, large truck manufacturers that are just, you know, making transport trucks. But, you know, maybe if we're, if you're talking about electrical, you're, you're talking about similar systems and similar weights and similar requirements. So, you know, that that's not competitive at all. It's, it's, it's smart to be able to share information amongst yourselves, you know, not unlike what you'd see at a, at a post-secondary education, you know, where you have peer challenges on, you know, this works or this doesn't work. And, but to be able to do so quickly and to be able to, you know, recognize the value in that, uh, you know, clean energy is, a, is, a, is the future. And, uh, and we need to get good at it and we need to get, get good at it soon. And, you know, it's important for Canada as well, not only for Incas as a company, but for the province and 
and for the country and for the citizens of this country so that we're able to do what we do, uh, leaving less of a carbon footprint. Curious uh, what the size of Incas is in, t- in terms of uh, GTA, in terms of personnel, how large are the operations in, in, in it's about Ontario? It's about 400 people. Uh, okay. It's about 400, and that's that's all levels of staff from management all the way down. And it's, uh, it's a, a, a few facilities uh, that are located you know, in and around the same area. Um, and uh, it's, it, it may be something that we need to, you know, grow internationally. Uh, you know, you're starting to see more and more countries uh, protecting their own domestic market and, you know, the buy American, uh, buy Mexican, and maybe someday buy Canadian. And, you know, when that's the case, when it's your own country, you have a great advantage, but when it's not your own country, you need to be able to work within the environment that you're working in and, and not to lose lose your market share and sometimes that means uh, you need to uh, you need to expand uh, elsewhere and you know it, it it helps you to build relationships on the ground as well if you're if you're in some of these countries if we have some of our representatives at, at minimum uh, we have had representatives at different points in times in Latin America and Africa and, and Asia and things and that's uh, that's proven very valuable for us so we're looking at other locations as well yeah I'm mean, and I'm glad you brought up the uh the the buy american thing because yeah biden did make that announcement uh, a few weeks back about how you know they're going to try and uh, um you know encourage more manufacturing and things like that within the u.s i'm curious what incas's sort of response to that was how much of their supply chain was sort of like sourced out of the u.s and how much of it is purely domestic and won't be unaffected though i'm sure it would have an effect well, luckily, it's the automotive industry, right? So the, the you know the auto pact helps it, vehicles that are sold in the United States have a lot more U.S. Uh, content, uh, for want of a better term. So you know maybe the chassis is American, or maybe the the majority of parts are American. So you know the buy American is not an entirely clear to everyone, even to Americans yet, yeah. what that means and how that's defined. And we're all kind of it's a wait and see, but it's also using our, you know, our politicians and our diplomats to, you know, be able to not only find out what's going on, but to, to influence what's going on as best we can, you know, that the automotive industry in North America is a, you know, is a shared undertaking, especially between Canada and the United States. So if you were to, you know, buy a, uh, a chassis of a general motors vehicle and then up, upscale it and up protect it, uh, what's Canadian, what's American, what's, you know, what, what is technology. We just, we just make sure that uh, we stay within the rules. We get as much advice as we possibly can, even in a, at a time when, you know, with a presidential election taking place in the United States, these things are, you know, the administrations are changing, the policies are changing and, and we need to be able to respond and react to that. Uh, so it's, it's not a science, it's an art. And, uh, and we're trying to work within that art right now. Um, I'm curious what Incas is working on this year and moving forward. Um, any exciting projects in 2021 and beyond? Are there any uh, new developments? I know you sort of hinted at looking at expanding to other places, uh, uh, keeping an eye on Buy American and how that develops. I'm wondering if there's anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we also need to be, to be cognizant of what, you know, the geopolitical situation in the world. Um, the, you know, we, we've seen we've seen potential clients looking to buy uh, armored vehicles, not for, for transporting troops necessarily, but potentially transporting refugees, uh, where you're seeing refugees in some pretty tough rural areas, you know, on border and frontier areas in, in Asia and Africa and elsewhere. 
and you know nation states are looking to be able to move them through through territory that isn't necessarily 100% in their control uh, and it's not because you're looking to bring troops into combat but you're actually looking to bring people out of harm's way safely and uh, so we're looking at at being able to do that i mean how you equip a vehicle for troops is one thing how you equip a vehicle for refugees is is different and can we have a vehicle that can do both and can you have it you know sort of a hybrid vehicle where you can you can look at the inter interior of the vehicle and change out you know various parts and and subsets in order to you know maybe pour in more people we've we've worked more with armored ambulances uh in some places uh where Boko Haram in West Africa, for example, is is running rampant over the civilian population. You need to get injured people out of those areas. Well, you know, if you talk to your law enforcement or your military and people and they say, well, you know, I have an occupational health and safety issue as well. And why should I go into bandit country and risk my life? I mean, I want to help people too, but you got to keep me safe in doing it. And, you know, finding a way to to have those two paradigms kind of balanced off at the same time is is uh, is something that we're working with uh we don't build you know the the you know then they're an amazing company but you know the lab vehicles that you saw you know in saudi arabia that was such a uh, a controversy uh, uh recently that's not the type of vehicles we we build lesser armored vehicles but and they don't necessarily have you know turrets and 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 mounted weapons ports and all that sort of thing. This is more of a a, trans, a safe transportation system. And we, we wanna do it following, you know, we need to get export permits and we need to get approvals from the government. And, and, and that's a big thing for the future is understanding where the government sits at any given time. So, you know, there's inconsistency and sometimes you get them approved and sometimes you don't. And, and we in the industry, not just us, but we in the defense industry at large, you know, kind of have cocker spaniel heads sometimes saying, I, I don't understand what this decision is based on. So we're hoping to get, you know, to work with government to get uh, more continuity in, a, in, in what the rules and regulations are, because we want to, we want to, you know, you want to play properly because we're not arms dealers, we're not mercenaries, you know, we're good people, we're good Canadians. The, the people that are working on those assembly lines, you know, in, uh, in Toronto are, brothers, sisters, cousins, you know, moms, they're Canadians and, yeah. uh, and their, their values are the same as other Canadians. You know, we want to do it properly and we don't want to get mixed up with some of the, there's some, there's some dodgy companies out there in the world and we don't want anything to do with them. We want to be the good guys and, uh, the white hats. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I've always sort of been curious how businesses like Inca's determine what a good group to do business with is versus a bad group to do business with. Uh, and I know you mentioned governments and making sure that the political situation is stable and things like that. But just as an example, if, uh, you know, uh, a regime in, in Syria, for example, was, uh, you know, against a, um, a utility, a total a totalitarian government or something like that. And they contacted and they were looking for, you know, safe armored vehicles and transports to, you know, take communities into a safer area or get them out of the country. I'm wondering how, you know, Incas would go about uh, dealing business with them. You need, you need to do your homework. You need to work with your own government, number one. You need to work, uh, my, my 
job before coming here was Canadian Security Intelligence Service. I was the Assistant Director of Operations for CSIS. So I've got all sorts of links around the world of people from like-minded organizations that you can lean on and say, can, are these people trustworthy? Are they going to honor the end user certificate that, that they've signed? Uh, you know, we, we, we don't have the luxury of making mistakes because, you know, you start selling things to people you want not, not to be selling them to that, that creates problems. You're always going to have theft and that sort of things where, you know, uh, uh, paramilitaries and things are going to try and get hold of a protective vehicles. but they tend not to be ours. They tend to be more military uh, grade vehicles, but you know, we don't want it happening to us. So we, we do every bit of due diligence we can possibly do. And that includes, like I said, our own government, our former contacts, but also reaching out to human rights organizations from, you know, Amnesty International to Human Rights Watch. Uh, you know, thank God for the internet, uh, because every organization in every country is uh, is listed and, you know, measured in terms of their their compliance with uh, basic human rights. And we want to be at the at the top of that uh, continuum and not, uh, you know, not mired in the, in the bottom somewhere. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks, and thank you as well to Andrew Ellis once again. We hope you've enjoyed it.